Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited-time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hello, America, and welcome to John Solomon's Best of 2021. This week, we'll be reminiscing together with a few of the most popular interviews of the year, and once again, highlighting some of the amazing heroes who are trying to make a difference in the world. Today, we're flashing back to John's September 11th show, commemorating the 20th anniversary of 9-11. John speaks with real American heroes. NYPD Commissioner Bernie Carrick, former Solicitor General Ted Olson, the CEO of the 9-11 nonprofit Tunnel to Towers, Frank Siller, and legendary former Congressman Lee Hamilton about what happened on that fateful day and how it impacted not only the U.S., but their own personal lives and why we must never forget that day. So flash back with us to September 11th. This is John Solomon's Best of 2021, coming up right after this commercial break. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, Add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. 
That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised on this very solemn day, the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, starting us off is a man who was on the front lines alongside Mayor Rudy Giuliani, watching those officers run into that building, watching those firefighters run into that building and give their lives to try to save Americans. Joining me right now is the former NYPD Commissioner, Bernie Carrick. Commissioner, great to have you on the show. Thank you, John. It's 20 years now, and I I know you've looked back, you always look back, because you've never forgotten any moment that happened that day. But as you look back at that day now, what's the most remarkable moment you can recall from it? I think for me, there's two points on that day that sort of reflect in my mind uh, almost daily. I mean, there isn't a day that goes by in some way that I don't think of that. Yeah, I know that's true. Arriving down at the scene, I was trying to get into Seven World Trade, where the emergency command center was for the mayor. And it was directly across the street from Tower One. And as we got to the corner, this was maybe seven or eight minutes after the first plane hit Tower One, before Tower Two was impacted. But they stopped our vehicles, and a cop came up to my car, saw me. He saluted me, and he said, Commissioner, you guys can't turn on to the block. They're jumping. And I... Oh. I didn't know what he meant. I didn't understand what he was saying. Right. I got out of the car. I walked to the corner. And over the next two or three minutes, I probably watched more than two dozen people come down off of Tower 1 to the ground on Bessie between the two buildings, between 1 and 2. Some hitting the awnings over the building. They sounded like explosions, basically disintegrating into the <laughs> ground. That was one of the things that you don't forget. And the second... It was about 5 o'clock that afternoon. I came back to headquarters after going downtown with the mayor, and I walked in. My first deputy, Joe Dunn, he said, listen, we have brought in the families of the 23 members that are now missing, and they're down in the auditorium. And I had to walk into that auditorium with 23 family members, two of which, two out of the 23, not only was there a police officer in their family missing, but there was a firefighter in their family missing as well. And uh, that was the Vigiano family and the Langone family. Oh, sure. And I walked into the conference room to basically tell them that, you know, their loved ones were missing. We're doing everything in our power to to find them. Hopefully they're safe. But I'll, I'll tell you, John, that moment, that time for me was a demonstration of how resilient people are, even in a time of crisis, because it was those people in the room, it was those family members that gave me an enormous amount of inspiration and and motivation to do 
what I had to do over the next 14 weeks or so until I left office. It's just unreal. You were gracious enough to share with me, and we have it up on Just the News right now, the official report that you provided, Mayor Giuliani, sort of the post 9-11 report and it's just chock full of amazing details of what happened we forget so much you know the bar across the street that suddenly became a triage center and all the hospitals that kicked into you know a mass casualty event and did it exactly by the book they executed perfectly and you know the famous people we lost the great chaplain at the fire department the deputy commissioner bill fian right yeah michael judge right it has so many amazing things but as you look at that report what's the what are some of the things that jump out at you in terms of just all the things that happened in that you know that crazy week after the worst terror attacks in America? I think there's a couple of things there. You know, the funerals for Father Judge and Feehan and Gancy, you know, on paper, it talks about their death. But in reality, 15 minutes after the mayor got to the scene, we walked down to West Street where they had a temporary command post. Right. And Gancy and Fian and Father Judge were all there. We spoke to them. They gave us their insight on what they thought was going to happen. We knew that we would lose the top of the buildings, uh, everything on the top uh, of the impact right. zone, uh, you know, bodies and buildings. Uh, you know, we knew all that. Uh, they gave us their briefing. And we were walking away when Father Judge grabbed Mayor Giuliani, and he made the sign of the cross over his head, and he said, God bless you. He says, go in peace, and please be careful. And we walked away, and I don't know, 30 minutes later, Tower 2 imploded. And when it did, every single one of those men that we had just left, we just left them, Mm. they all perished. So for me, it's, it's things like that. And there's, there's one other thing that comes out of this, John, that I think it, it encapsulates that report, that the men and women in the New York City Fire Department and the Port Authority Police pretty much affected the greatest rescue mission in the history of this country. Yeah, they, they sure took did. between 20 and 25,000 people out of those buildings in the surrounding areas, and they evacuated more than a million people out of Manhattan into the four boroughs in New Jersey. That is unparalleled service. Nothing like that has ever happened in this country before. Hopefully it never happens again. But you have to give an enormous amount of credit to the first responders, the public servants in New York City for what they accomplished on that day in such a short time. It is amazing, and we forget how big that evacuation was, and speedy, too. I mean, it happened with extraordinary skill set, more than even a hurricane happens. You know, when you go down to the south and you see the hurricanes, everybody met their match. And, you know, what really it showed, you guys had a great program, didn't you? You had a good plan. God forbid something terrible like this happened. You had a plan, and it kicked in right on the money, didn't it? Yeah, you know what, John? That's a really good point, because, you know, what bothers me today here we are 20 years after right. 9-11, and still today, there are communities and states and cities around this country that don't have preemptive, proactive plans mm. to respond to crisis. You know, we had plans just about for anything under the sun, anything you could think of. You know, Rudy Giuliani was crazy about being proactive, you know, constant 
mock drills, tabletop exercises, less practice for sarin gas in the subway system. I can remember going through these things. Every month, we would have a mock drill tabletop exercise on some crisis. So we had protocols and policies and plans in place to respond to just about anything under the sun. The unfortunate thing for us is nobody ever anticipated somebody would use two yeah. jetliners as missiles. That's right. However, those policies and plans and protocols all came into effect, and the response, as documented in my memo to the mayor, was overwhelming. Yeah, Condition Omega. That was the DEFCON sort of uh, plan that you had in place. Well, what did Condition Omega mean? Basically, that is every cop, every fireman is responding. Yep. Every precinct. You know, keep in mind, there's 76 precincts in right. the city. There's probably over 100 sub-commands. That means everybody's going. Yeah. That means all vacations are canceled. And the other thing that ha happened under Operational Omega is I actually ordered the closing of New York City, which I don't think it's ever been done before. Right. We actually All borders were sealed, Manhattan. right? Yeah. All borders sealed. The only people allowed to come into New York City at the time were first responders right. for the purpose of work. That's one of the things that stands out to me because I never, I, you know, I was involved and I was there and I was doing this stuff with the mayor. I never saw a bunch of the footage and a bunch of the coverage, but I can remember on the first anniversary seeing all these photos of these big signs, New York City closed, you know, at the George Washington yeah. Bridge, at, the, at Lincoln. the Lincoln Tunnel. Right. You know, and it was kind of weird for me. I, you know, I did it. We did that. But I never realized the impact until uh, like a year later on the first anniversary when I was watching the coverage from the year before. Wow, that's an amazing thing. You read this report and, you know, it's written on or about September 27th, which would be 16 days after the horrible terror attacks. And we forget this now, but back then we still didn't have a complete casualty count. And it keeps saying the total death toll is still unknown. That was 16 days later when they were already beginning to get death certificates for people who they couldn't find and assume were in the well, building. But you know what? Keep in mind, John, we didn't have a, we still didn't have a death count. I think at the time I left office, which was 14 weeks later. So there's something about this report that a lot of people wouldn't know. And that is as police commissioner, I met with or I saw the mayor every day, right? right. I talked to him every day. Yep. But every single Thursday, the entire time I was in office, every Thursday at 1 p.m., it was a standing meeting that I would meet with the mayor and his cabinet, and I would present to them a report of what happened in the last week and what we anticipated in the next week. I did that for the entire time I was police commissioner. However, on the Thursday after September 11th, we did not have that meeting. The next Thursday, we did not have that meeting. Wow. So the first time I had that meeting was actually on September 27th, Thursday. Amazing. September 27th. That was my first meeting after September 11th, and that's why the report was given to the mayor. Well, what you did, what Mayor Giuliani did, what President Bush did to rally a country and to rally a community back to its feet so it can fight the war and terror will never be forgotten. And, you know, there are so many heroes from Stephen Siller, who we know from T 
AT&T to others, but what you guys did, the leadership that was shown that day is, is never going to be forgotten. It was really one of the greatest moments of leadership in American history across all levels of government. And I just want to contrast it for a second. I want to get too political because today's not a day for politics, but you had this Omega plan. It executed. Democrats, Republicans, everybody worked together. We were all Americans, and that's why New York did so well the way it did. When you look at the way we end the war on terror in Afghanistan, and I argue we probably have never ended it now because now we're going to be fighting it in a different way. The difference in the planning, the difference in the execution, how frustrating is it to see what happened in Afghanistan after the way New York executed on the morning of 9-11? You know what, John? I'll give you, uh, I'll give you and your audience a little trivia that nobody knows. <laughs> okay. Um, on September 14th, that Friday after the attack, President Bush came right. to Ground Zero. right. And he came to Ground Zero and he met, that's when he stood up on the That famous picture, right? Yeah, the pile of rubble, yeah. famous photo. When he met with the mayor and I, he was infuriated. He was fuming. He was seething at what he had seen. And he said to the mayor and I, they're going to be held accountable. I promise you, he said, and you're going to be the first to know. He says, I'm going to call you when we're (laughs) going to do this. So on the night of October 7th. Right. I was leaving my house. I was on the way to Yankee Stadium to meet with the mayor. And I got a phone call from the mayor. He called my car and I answered the phone and he said, it's happening. Two words. And I didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah. So, Trying to put the that? reference there, right? Yeah. He says, uh, the president just called me and he said to call you and make sure I told you that it's happening. And I knew then that we were going into Afghanistan. Wow. As, as I was on the way to Yankee Stadium, we were going into Afghanistan. So I, I changed my, you know, I didn't go to Yankee Stadium. I went down to headquarters. I had the, the chief and my staff meet with me, and we started securing up the synagogues, the sure. churches. Public worried about retribution, right? Yeah. Worried about retribution. So that was, that was what was going on, right? What an but amazing story that we were going. I got that call from the mayor and to watch us not end the war in Afghanistan, to watch the president of the United States, Joe Biden, surrender Afghanistan to the Taliban, to the same people we were going to fight on October 7th, 2001, it made me sick. I mean, I was literally nauseous. And it's, it's I can't tell you the disgust or the, the 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 anger that I have. But how do you think how do you think, John, the twelve members of the Fifth Special Forces Group that went into northern Afghanistan on horseback. Right. The first ones on the ground. How do you think they feel? How do you think those first pilots feel that went into that country? Yep. Drop those first bombs. I, I, yep. The Moabs. I, I, I don't. I don't know, man. I. I it's. It's. Uh, um, I, I. I never thought. I never in a hundred years that I think that we would do this. It is a jaw-dropping moment, and I've been blessed to talk to. In fact, I got to meet some of the horsemen, uh, the twelve horsemen, this past summer. What amazing men! What courage! What pride they had in their country that they were willing to risk it all to make sure we got the bad guys. And I know everyone who served 
feels that uh, they've been dishonored by this exit. I think in the long term, we'll find a way to fix it because we're America. We get that done. But you're right. Right now, there's a lot of people who can't believe how deserved their memory and their sacrifices were by this exit. It's something we're not going to soon forget. But I tell you, today's about remembering all those amazing people that stood firm and gave their lives and and got this uh, country and this city back on its feet. And sir, you are one of them right at the forefront. Your country will always owe you an enormous debt of gratitude. And I do for having you join us today. We're really, really grateful. John, thank you. Take care. All right, my friend. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back in a few seconds. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash Just News. That's AMAC.us forward slash Just News. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. You're listening to John Solomon's Best of 2021, flashing back to September 11th, the 9-11 commemorative special. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break and very honored to have joining us right now one of the great lawyers in the history of America, former solicitor general, a man who's won the majority, vast majority of the cases he argued before the Supreme Court, somebody who served this country for a long time and who has a very personal connection to 9-11. Joining me right now, the former solicitor general of the United States, Ted Olson. Ted, great to have you on the show today. Thank you, John. I appreciate having a chance to talk to you. Uh, You've been a good friend for many years. I appreciate that. Oh, you're very kind to say so. One of the most poignant memories I have of 9-11 was around midday that day calling you and and asking if Barbara was on that plane, your wife, Barbara, an amazing Senate investigator, amazing lawyer. And I've never forgotten that call and that moment and all of that blur. But uh, that was a pretty remarkable and painful day, I know, for you. What's your biggest remembrance of that moment around being around the president and, and also getting such tragic news yourself? Well, it was a very, very difficult day of the entire morning. She had left that morning, and when I 
noticed my secretary came in that morning. I was at my office in the Solicitor General's office at the Justice Department. My assistant came in and had had me turn on the television, so we saw what was happening in New York, and not long after that. And I began to worry right then because Barbara had boarded a plane that morning to fly to Los Angeles, and I just, when I saw that airplanes were involved, I was very worried that, she might be on one of them. And then I got a call. My secretary came in and said Barbara was on the phone, and I was first very, very relieved that she was okay. And then when we spoke, she told me that her airplane had been hijacked. So it was, I don't know how she managed to get through on the phone that day, uh, but we talked for a, just a minute or two. I tried to find out where she was. She asked me what she could do to tell the pilot and so forth. It was a very short conversation, but but very, very horrifying. Mm. The connection broke off. She managed to get through once again. I told her about the World Trade Center, and I had to let her know that that was happening. And right. uh, we said another word or two, and then it was cut off again. I think that's the moment the... Her plane crashed into the Pentagon, so it was a horrible, horrible day. And it took a while before we found out that, indeed, the crash at the Pentagon, which was first reported as just an explosion, was indeed an aircraft. And then we found out that American Airlines flight that she was on. So it was a very horrifying experience can't begin to describe how awful that day was, but um, it's seared in my memory. It has to be. You showed such dignity, and I think that those who suffered the most also helped this country heal because all throughout this, the dignity and the kindness that you showed, even as you were grieving, I think was the sort of thing that rallied this country and said, you know, we got hit hard, but we're not going to take it. How, you know, being inside the Bush administration at such a senior level, you personally having experienced the loss of that terror, what was so remarkable about the response that America mustered in those two days after 9-11? Well, I found it was very, very important for me because the public, I think Barbara was the one name and one face that was flashed on the television screen that many Americans knew because of her many appearances on television. Right. Um, she had a and, great book. And, yeah. And because I had been involved in uh, Bush versus Gore battle and so forth. Some people knew who I was, and I felt it was important, given how many people knew Barbara and people who were aware of me, for me to get out and talk yes. about the fact that Barbara was a resilient person. We were a resilient country. We had we had suffered a terrible, unspeakable tragedy, but we could not allow ourselves to be defeated or brought down by these terrorists, and that we had to show the world and one another that we were strong, that we would come back, that we were not going to be defeated. I felt it was very important as someone who would be recognized as speaking out about this to convey that message that life was going to go on, we were going to bounce back, and we are strong people, and this was a terrible, terrible tragedy, but we could rise above it somehow and move forward. Well, that message did resonate. I remember those appearances like they were yesterday. It's hard to believe it's been 20 years already. As you look at where we are in the war on terror, which, of course, as as we all know, is a never-ending war. It's not going to stop anytime soon. How do you assess where we find ourselves today and what's important for the next decade as we try to continue to fight radical Islamists? Well, I think one of the most terrible things that I can imagine is to recognize 
what happened on September 11, 20 years ago by turning the world back over to the Taliban, to turn the country and terrorists that were responsible for what happened 20 years ago, we have given them back the power and the resources to do it to us and to the rest of the world again and again. And when I see the pictures of the people that the Taliban have put in control of that country, and we know who those people are, we know what they stand for, we know what they do. One of the leaders has a nickname, the Butcher. Yes. One of them is on the FBI's most wanted list. Virtually all of them are labeled as terrorists. We know what they have done to innocent people, beheading, maiming, what they do to women and children. And we have allowed those people to take over an entire country and be allied with other terrorist groups. It is devastating. I can imagine two days from now, we're going to be recognizing and remembering the people that were killed and maimed that day. And at the same time, we're reading headlines of celebrations in Kabul and other parts of Afghanistan of the same people who are responsible for what happened. And how that, how we could allow that to take place is, is beyond my comprehension. Yeah. So many of the people I've talked to have said exactly that. They're so, so indignant about the, how do we make sure that the sacrifices of your extraordinary wife, of Barbara, of your, all the work you did in the aftermath of 9-11, what are some of the steps you'd like us to see take to make sure that we re- remain resilient against this threat? One of the things that, and I have a piece that's uh, going to be in the Washington Post on September 11. Wonderful. We said we will not forget and President Biden said those same words a couple of weeks ago when uh, 13 Americans were killed at that airport in Kabul. We will never forget. Well, we have forgotten. We have turned that same country over this, to the same people who are responsible for terrorism. We cannot forget. We cannot let the leaders of this country forget has what has happened to us. We cannot negotiate with people whose only goal is to bring us to our knees, to kill our Americans and other people in other civilized countries in the world, and to subjugate and terrorize women and children and girls and not let them get educated. We can't forget that. We have to be vigilant. We can say what the president seems to be saying is that uh, we've ended the war on terrorism. We have not ended the war on terrorism as long as the terrorists are conducting a war on us. I mean, it's just inexcusable. And we will continue to suffer tragedies until we realize what we're dealing with. And that that war is not going to be over. Those people are going to continue to do what they've tried to do in the past, what they've done in the past, and what they're going to try to do in the future. Yeah, it is so true. Like the many arguments you've made before the Supreme Court, an enormous amount of wisdom in the words you just said, Ted. And I want to thank you first for what you did for our country. I know the huge sacrifice of losing Barbara, but you did. You were one of those people that just created resilience. And everybody said, if he can get up off the ground, we can get up off the ground. We're going to be forever grateful for that, sir. Well, John, you're a very, very dear friend. I know you were a dear friend of Barbara. She had such great respect for you and the work that you did. You were up there at the very, very top of the list of journalists that she always respected. 
she knew and I know that you always did your homework. You were someone we could trust and a dear, dear abiding friend. So thank you for that. I, I had the same respect for both of you and due to this day. So God bless you. And I hope this anniversary brings a lot of peace and solace because you deserve it for all you've done for our country. I appreciate it, John. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Ted. Good to talk to you. Okay. Bye. All right, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're flashing back to September 11th, the 9-11 commemorative special on John Solomon's Best of 2021. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, someone who has dedicated the last 20 years of his life to helping first responders and our extraordinary troops because his own family lost someone very dear on uh, 9-11. Joining me right now is Frank Siller, the uh, founder of the Tunnel to Towers Foundation and one of my favorite charities. Frank, welcome to the show. Hey, John, thanks for having me on, and thank you for your kind words, and thank you for your help on making sure that we spread the message to make sure we never forget. And, you know, what my brother did 20 years ago was exceptional. You know, not it many sure people was. would uh, put the, yeah, not many people put their life on the line like that. You know, you tend to think you would do the right thing, but, you know, the truth is that there were more people being saved going out of the building than the firefighters and the police officers that were going in the building. You know, 20 years ago, my brother was one of those great heroes. And I feel so honored that I was able to do this never forget walk to honor what he did to say thank you, Stephen, for what you did. And thank you to all the great heroes of 9-11. It's such an amazing thing. Everywhere I go, I tell people the story of your brother. And, you know, some still haven't heard it, which is tragic. They should all know it by now. It's such an amazing story. But it just gives goosebumps to people. And it just inspires you to reach out and be brave and be courageous and help other people. And you've been doing that for uh, 20 years. Tell us what this walk has been like. It's a little over 500 miles, the Never Forget Walk. What has that been like for you? And what reaction have you gotten in the communities where you've been? First of all, the walk for me personally has been a very emotional and very, very spiritual uh, journey. It's an experience that I thought it was going to be off the charts. And it's even more than what I even thought it was going to be. And I've met the great Americans who have done so much for our uh, country and love America. I mean, that flags that people are throwing. Uh, it's unbelievable. They're waving it everywhere I go. People, <laughs> uh, people saying, you know, I love America. God bless America. Never forget. And so, and they had eight parades. We've had eight parades. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I was in Easton the other day. Yep. That's the one I saw. Oh, 300 kids. 
in the Easton High School marching band, and it was phenomenal. It really was. It it, uh, it sent shivers up my spine. There was a guy that had a big banner, 9-11-2001, never forget. Uh, and he was sitting on the side of the road. And that image is seared into my brain. But, you know, we, we talk so much about all the negativity and all the criticisms of our country and our self-criticisms. But that spirit of patriotism, that love for a country is still really vibrant, isn't it? That's all I saw, John. That's yeah. all I saw. I saw American flags on people's porches. I just saw so many people who care and love America. Listen, I want young parents to tell their kids of what happened 20 years ago, that Islamic terrorists try to kill as many Americans as possible, and they did kill 2,977. And I want the stories of these great heroes, not just of my brother, the Robert Curl a firefighter, in and out of that building, seen several times dragging people out. Right. A Gene Raggio, PAPD, who was also a friend of mine, who was out of the building, called his wife and said, I'm okay, don't worry but went back in because he was known as the mayor of the Twin Towers because he knew everything about it. Of course, he's going to go back in and save lives. You know, these stories have to be told. The man in the red bandana, Wells Crowther, who was just an ordinary, everyday guy going to work. But that day he put that bandana on and became Superman. He became Superman and saved countless lives. And, you know, although it is such a sad day, it was a it was a day that showed such heroism that we have to tell both sides of that story. And the last thing I want to say, not the last thing, because I know I'm talking to you for a while, <laughs> but I was at Shanksville and I was with a group of New York City firefighters. And I went down to the impact zone with Flight 93 right. was taken down. Think of those 40 heroes. We all remember Todd Beamer's Let's Roll. But think of those 40 heroes that took back that plane because they yep. already knew that these planes were being used as missiles in the building and killing Americans on the ground. And they took it back, and they brought that plane down to save people's lives. That was the first battle on the war on terrorism, and we won that battle. And I, I'm so proud that I was there, and I put my hand on that boulder, John, and I said a prayer. Every firefighter was with us. We knelt down and put our hands on that boulder, and let me tell you, the emotions were pouring out of us because I was thinking of those heroes, thinking of my brother. I was thinking of all the firefighters and police officers and all 3,000 families that lost their loved ones. So it was an experience that I'll never forget. And you're right. It was the first fight against terrorism. That was the moment it it started. And uh, 20 years later, there's a lot of look back, obviously. There's also a lot of discussion that we are entering into a new dangerous phase of terrorism. When you hear these reports that terrorism may resurrect itself in a much larger way in the next couple of years that Afghanistan could eventually become a base again for terrorism, which is what General Milley told the U.S. Senate a couple of weeks ago. What do you think when you hear those things? I guess it's a never-ending fight, right? That's why we can't forget. Exactly. That's why, John, you're 100% right. That's why we can't forget, because if we forget our history, it's bound to repeat itself, yeah. the good and the bad, of course. But the, in this case, we don't want another 3,000 or 10,000, you know, the more zeros on the end of the number for these people trying to kill Americans, the happier they are. So we can't let that happen again. Look, we are more vulnerable today than we were over the last 20 years. No question about it, because we're, we're at Afghanistan. I'm sure we don't have the same kind of intelligence that we had. Right. And, we, you know, but I pray, I pray that we still have enough intelligence that when they are gathering these terrorists and conspiring and figuring out how they can kill Americans, that we could just take them out and not miss them like we did years ago when we thought they weren't at war with us. They're at war with us, and they will try to kill us again, for sure. 
And I just hope we don't let our guard down. Yeah, so important that we don't. I've seen you on television talk a little bit about this. The way we exited Afghanistan, the uh, the people we still have left behind, there are numbers today, 500 to 900 we hear in some places. Any thoughts just about the way we exited Afghanistan and what it may speak for the future of our country? Well, here's the thing. The greatest country that's ever existed, we should be better than what we did and how we got out of there. I don't think many people argue the fact that how long can we stay and fight a war, but <laughs> there was so much blood and treasure right over there that we could have very easily protected our interests and most importantly protected our Americans and the Afghanis that helped us on the war on terror. You know, those families that are left behind, the Taliban and ISIS are going to slaughter them, John. And I hate saying those words, but it's true. They're going to slaughter them. And any American thinks that they're not is naive. So um, I pray for those families. We should have made sure they got out here safely. And the, how about the 13 Americans we lost in the final days there? It was so unnecessary. We should yeah. have been protected. It was disgusting, actually. And I've talked to a lot of Gold Star widows, and they're distraught over uh, on how we exited uh, Afghanistan. And I pray that somehow or another they smarten up and, and protect America. Look, John, you know what we do, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. We make sure if these kids give their bodies for our country, yep. the most catastrophically injured service members, we're going to build them a mortgage-free smart home. You know these old soft families that die for us, right? These men and women in uniform that die for us, they leave a young family behind. Our promise, our pledge is that we're going to take care of their families. We're going to deliver them and gift them a mortgage-free home. If we have to build it, we'll build it. If they have a home, we'll pay off the mortgage. And last but not least, we've got to take care of our first responders and most certainly of police officers. You know, when people spit on the ground, at the very least, that's what some people do, uh, spit on the ground. Instead, we should be kissing the freaking ground they walk on because they yeah. give us this great country and our society. We have no society without, without these police officers. So we're going to make that promise that if they die in the line of duty and leave young families behind, Tunnels and Towers Foundation is going to pay off their mortgage. So, you know, John, I ask everybody $11 a month, $11 a month, go to T2T.org. Yep. And for $11 a month, we can keep this promise. Hey, we better, as Americans, let these families know that they're not forgotten about. We don't want to leave them behind. If we don't do it, we're leaving families behind like a lot, like our government just did in Afghanistan. We better not here, as Americans, leave these families that paid the ultimate sacrifice for us behind. And $11 a month, we can keep that promise to take care of every single family that dies in the line of duty in America. It's the best investment, folks, you'll ever make. I did it, and I love it. T2T.org. That's as easy to remember as possible. Go do it today. If you want to make a difference in the world, this is the organization to support. They're doing such amazing things. You've got a busy week ahead because when you finish this walk, your job's not over, right? You've got a pretty big uh, weekend on Saturday and Sunday. I'm really excited about the September 12th event because you're calling attention to those who got sick after the terrorism bombings, trying to help clean up and salvage the city. Talk a little bit about what you're going to do on September 12th. Well, we're going to read the names, John, of everyone who died of 9-11 illnesses. You know, we made an announcement that every first responder that has died of 9-11 illness, right. that leaves a young family behind. We just made this announcement a couple of months ago that we're going to pay off their mortgage. But there are thousands of those who just were down there helping out, construction workers, crane workers, you name it. And they were down there every day on the pile. 
Firefighters are on the pile. Cops are on the pile looking for my brother. They were looking for their friends. They were looking for their mothers, their fathers. And they were told it was okay. And it was BS. It was not okay. And now these families are seeing their loved ones fade away right in front of their eyes, dying of all these cancers that were caused because of the toxic air down there. And we want to read their names out loud on 912. We're going to read every one of their names so they're not forgotten because they are the forgotten group. And most Americans don't even know that, you know, the 2000 have died since 9-11 of these 9-11 related illnesses. Yeah, the toll just keeps going on. And that's why we got to be so invested in trying to help these families who've gone through this. September 11th, you've got the honor roll that you're going to do again this year, right? Uh, is it 7,000 names total? Is that right? I have that right. Well, we're going to read the names on Veterans Day. Oh, Veterans Day. That's right. Lincoln, right. On Veterans Day at the Lincoln Memorial of all 7,072 now men and women in uniform that died uh, for our country in the war on terrorism. So that has never been done as far as I know uh, that we're going to be doing it at the Lincoln Memorial. Actually, a friend of mine just told me that they every year read their names out loud in a small town in, in Jersey. And no I didn't kidding. even know that. But anyway. How cool yeah, is that? I love that. FBI, Jimmy Maxwell, the Blessed Sacrament boy that I went to grammar school with <laughs> years ago, and he walked with me one day, and he says that to me. I said, Jimmy, I didn't even know you did that. I thought, I thought we were going to be the only ones that ever did it. But um, I was happy to hear it, and I wish that everybody in America, in their towns and the small towns, would read these names out loud. It's a great idea. We should make that a tradition starting this year right behind you with all that you're doing. As you look out now, and each of us, we enter into the third decade of the war on terror, what are some things we can do as Americans to help the fight? Everyday people, just, you know, people that have their job and their kids going to soccer and school, if they can get into school. What are things that you'd like to see Americans pitch in to do? Obviously, helping T2T Mm -hmm. is an easy one. We definitely got to do that. What are some other things that you would like to see happen over the next decade? Well, John, I'm going to say stay tuned because... Well, I have some great thoughts and initiatives <laughs> that the Tunnel to Towers Foundation wants to make sure it comes to fruition because uh, it, it, we can't ever forget. And, and it's not just a saying to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. We live it. We live it every day. And uh, so we are going to make sure we stay true uh, to that. Our first mission when we started is that we never forget. And then, of course, we've got to honor the sacrifice. Right. And we honor the sacrifice by doing good, John. And what better doing good to take care of these families that are left behind. So, uh, but never forget, he's the most important thing from the beginning for us. Just like I don't want to forget what my brother did uh, uh, 20 years ago. So yeah. we got a lot going on. I'll be walking through that tunnel, retracing my brother's final heroic footsteps on September 11th. I'll be with my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my, my brother, my sisters. And uh, we're going to go through that tunnel to honor him. Albeit, when I come out of the tunnel, John, I'm going to be looking at a Freedom Tower. When he came out, he saw two buildings ablaze and uh, people jumping because they were faced with a decision yeah. to uh, burn or jump. And I hate to say it, but that's the facts. Just yeah. always just tell the truth, good or bad, just tell the truth. And, uh, and he ran into those buildings saving people and gave up his life. So, uh, so first and foremost, I-, I want to make sure I honor that and what he did and uh, what better way once again uh, honoring him by taking care of all these families uh, that make the ultimate sacrifice. It is an amazing thing. I have watched it and marveled at it. And Frank, you carry on an amazing tradition. Your family is 
uh, the best of the best. And when people forget, and we have these days when we're down on America, all I have to do is remember the Siller family. And I'm instantly reminded of the goodness that exists in this country. And we wish you luck in this week, all the way through Veterans Day. I know you got a busy time. I know you're working on new homes for so many of the wounded yeah. and also for paying off the mortgages. So every dime counts, folks. T2T.org pony up today i'm i'm gonna go on there today and add a second donation you should too match me i want everyone to go out there today and match me and let's double up on this it's such an important thing i love that john thank you 200 homes we're going to deliver this year alone john 200 200 homes mortgage trucks 200 homes and the last thing i want to give a shout out to my great team that was with me from from the last almost 42 days that i've been walking 537 miles i got five fighters that cook for me every day. New York City firefighters that come with me. I'm going to be the only guy, John, that walks 537 miles and puts weight on the way that they're <laughs> That's so the love of the fire department. Yes, and you know why they're doing it? Because they want to honor their brothers from their firehouse yep. that they lost. And uh, it has been a, a walk of great joy, and uh, I'm so happy that I did it. But i, I got to thank everyone that, that's been praying also. And I know that you've been caring and send me messages, so I appreciate it. Well, I'm 100 1,000% behind everything you're doing, Frank. You're, you're an amazing man, and you've made this country better, even coming out of a very dark moment like 9-11. So we're, we're grateful for you, and we wish you luck the rest of the way. Thank you, buddy. God All bless. Right. We'll God talk bless soon. America. All right, brother. Take care. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You're listening to John Solomon's Best of 2021, flashing back to September 11th, the 9-11 commemorative special. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, a man whose service in Washington left a very important impact and who continues to have a big impact in the foreign policy and national security space, particularly former Congressman Lee Hamilton and the former co-chairman of the 9-11 Commission is joining us. Congressman, good to have you on the show today. I'm delighted to be with you, John. You wrote an op-ed a couple of weeks ago that just caught my attention. And a lot of people that I know have been talking about a very thoughtful piece on the lessons that Congress must still learn from the 9-11 era. And I wonder if you could just expound a little bit about what you meant and what what concerns you about the state of Congress today. Well, I think uh, we learned a lot of lessons in the 9-11 Commission that uh, have a lot of uh, validity for today. 
Among those was, uh, there are several that come to mind immediately, uh, but among them was the importance of uh, getting the facts straight. Uh, that sounds so simple. Right. It is not. But uh, we understood that the first thing you have to do when you're confronted with a problem is to find the facts. It became a kind of a source of amusement, really, with our staff when Tom <laughs> Kane and I were working on these things. We had a reputation for always turning to the staff and saying, what are the facts? Now, that's one of two things you always have to do. Not quite as simple as it sounds. Right. Because facts are dynamic and they're changing all the time and evolving. The other thing you have to do, of course, and more important in terms of policy, is uh, to make recommendations. And uh, that has to be the focus of any kind of public inquiry, it seems to me, most of the ones I've been involved in. So those two things come out of my mind as we talk about the public policy. Yeah, such an important part. It seems today that the politics of the day, and maybe because it's a social media and instantaneous, but we seem to want to come to conclusions before we have the facts, and then we're always shifting, and it's like a, a sand underneath our feet. When you look back at that moment, I mean, the what your report left as an extraordinary legacy was a failure in the intelligence community, law enforcement intelligence, to connect dots that clearly hinted at what was about to happen, these horrible attacks that were in 9-11 in the aftermath, after you did your report and you had all these contacts and, and all the reforms that were done, how good did you feel that the intelligence community had been significantly changed by not only the experience of 9-11, but by the fact-finding and policy decisions that grew from that? Look, I think we learned a lot, and I don't have any hesitation in making the overall judgment that we're safer today than uh, we were at the time. Look, we put into place a whole department of government right. and we have made hundreds of changes in almost every government agency and department staffing up with the real experts and um, putting a lot more money resources time in the whole effort of um, trying to make sure that the government fulfills its function of keeping the people safe right so um, I think a lot of progress has been made. Now, having said that, a lot more needs to be done. And uh, so the work is still ahead of us. Out of the recommendations that you made, uh, what are the ones that haven't been yet implemented that you think are, are most important to get done even 20 years later? Oh, my, I don't know where to start. I, I, <laughs> I said, the toughest problem I encountered I think we've made progress on, but I still put it at the top of the list, and that is the sharing information. Government tends to become very polarized, becomes very jealous of uh, jurisdictions right. in sharing information and uh, working across not just departmental lines, but certainly that, but also even within the same department. There's a great tendency in the federal bureaucracy to say, uh, let me handle it. Trust me, I can, I can do it. Right. Uh, that's, I'm always wary of that, sometimes appropriate, I guess. But I think you need to make sure that your institutions 
your groups, your people are sharing information. Um, if we had shared information that we had before 9-11, there's not much doubt in my mind but that we could have prevented it. We just didn't do it. Now, we've put a lot of mechanisms into place that I think are helpful, but we've got a ways to go. Yeah, well, the, your report made a big leap forward for all those government agencies because it really laid bare the facts and then some very common sense reforms and, and suggestions to get the government where it needed to be. It's been a long time now. I know it's been 20 years, but your recollections of 9-11 in the, in the aftermath, what most stands out for you? I mean, you're a man who saw a lot of history in your time in Congress and service of your country, but that moment, what are some of the most visceral memories you have from that time? Well, I, I was impressed with the impact the events of that day had on the American people. It, uh, it's kind of hard to imagine today when we've become so polarized and uh, the country's really become more complicated. Right. But uh, the whole nation focused on the events of 9-11. And I mean really focused on it. Uh, Tom Kane and I, uh, when we were chairman of the commission, uh, used to joke about it. We would literally, it would be impossible for us to walk down the street without people stopping us to ask us and give us advice on what we ought to be doing. Isn't that amazing? Uh, yeah. In the, in the best of uh, spirits and always in an effort, it seemed to me to be uh, cooperative. Right. Uh, so that's one of the things that really stands out to me. I also uh, became persuaded that those of us in government have to do a much better job of explaining to the country what we're doing. And that means on the road a lot, going to all kinds of places and audiences to tell them what you're doing, why you're doing it, what your problems are, what you think you can accomplish, what you cannot, and uh, all the other things you needed to do together. All of this coast uh, requires that you keep working together, team teamwork. You always had a remarkable reputation, sir, being able to work with all sides of the aisles, right? Your side, the Democratic side, the Republican side. How concerned are you about the polarization of our country right now? And do you have any advice for the generation that's there now in the Marble Asylum? What can they do to try to talk more about we in America and less about us and them inside America? I think you have to remember that you do not accomplish, I don't think, anything of lasting value in our complicated government, unless you do it in a bipartisan way. You can do something as a Democrat, and it can be helpful, but it will not be long-lasting unless you invite the Republicans in, and vice versa. You right. can do something worthwhile as a Republican. But look, we have to have bilateral, bipartisan effort in order to do anything of lasting value in our country. The Democrats will be in office for one day, they'll be out the next day. Right. The same is true of the Republicans. You've got to do it in a bipartisan way. 
Yes. So it won't be done permanently. We seem to forget that in this generation that we have now. And I, I've been watching this town for a long time. And your generation, I think, showed it could be done. This generation seems to struggle a lot with it. As you look out now, we're entering the third decade of the war on terrorism, and it clearly isn't over. I mean, obviously, we may have pulled out of Afghanistan, but the threat and the determination of the enemy is still there. What do you assess? First, start with that, what, how we exited Afghanistan. Any concerns about what we leave behind there and what could happen in Afghanistan? I think the first question that you have to address when you decide to deal with a country like Afghanistan, and of course it applies across the board, you have to ask yourself the question, what is the American national interest in this country. That has to be the focus. Now, let's talk about Afghanistan a moment. There are very few countries on the face of the globe where we have less of an interest than Afghanistan. Having said that, we have important interests there. We do not want Afghanistan to be used, by way of illustration, as a safe haven from which an attack on us or our friends could be made. Now, that's a very important national interest to the United States. We cannot do much with it unless we have bipartisan cooperation in dealing with that kind of a problem. So I think when I look at all of our problems today, I often say to myself, we do not sit down early on and spell out precisely what the interest is in that country. Such good wisdom. You're right. And all our foreign policy in the years where it worked, it always started with what's the American interest and then how do we achieve it? And it seems like we've gotten away from that that basics. The Secretary of Defense Austin, uh, General Milley, Chairman of uh, Joint Chiefs, have all said that they have an assessment that within two years, a, a terror attack could potentially be staged from Afghanistan upon an American interest. Lloyd Austin also said that he thought that al-Qaeda had a good chance of reconstituting itself in Afghanistan. When you hear our top leaders say that, what's your first impression about that? My first impression is they're right. Uh, there is a tendency we have to go after a problem hard, aggressively, Right. oftentimes effectively, but we don't sustain it. These are not problems. Terrorism is a good illustration that we're going to solve. What you do is you manage it. You try to reduce the impact of the bad things and increase some of the good things that we do. So I think you have to get your mindset has to be one of permanence and understanding that these threats come and go they rise and fall in urgency, but they continue. And your response has to be institutions that are flexible and are well-staffed, well-resourced, and able to go with the flow of events around the world. It seems like such important uh, advice. If you were to, uh, last question, because I know how busy you are, if you had a moment to advise President Biden right now in the moment he's in, he's got his, his ratings are down, people are frustrated with the images, what's going on. What advice would you give President Biden as it relates to security, Afghanistan, terrorism, the war, 9-11, 20th anniversary? Oh, my. Look, presidents are busy people. 
they need a core group of people, of experts, whom they are comfortable with right. and choose to keep them advised on a daily basis of what the major threats to the United States are. And they have to focus with a laser-like uh, concentration on what are the threats to the United States today. And rethink that question on a regular basis and then institute in your government ways to deal with it. That is great advice. Sir, I came to Washington when you were at the height of your power, and I've always learned and, and watched you through the years, and your wisdom, your bipartisanship has always blessed this country, and I want to thank you so much today for participating in this special and helping us understand one of the, one of the most momentous events in American history, and I thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Welcome back. You've been listening to John Solomon's Best of 2021. This whole week, we'll be flashing back together with a few of the most popular interviews of the year and highlighting amazing heroes who are making a difference in the world. Tomorrow, we'll be honoring entrepreneurial innovators that are fighting censorship with privacy solutions. And later in the week, we'll be featuring John's interview with former President Trump, Thanks for listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe. 
there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.